What's going on? Welcome back to the Sports Gamble Ramble. This is going to be SGR 89 here. We are jumping over to the AFC South and we're going to be talking Titans today. So uh, yeah, this Titans team, interesting year last year. Um, 12 and 5 record overall managed to grab that number one seed in the AFC just to kind of fumble it in the playoffs there. Really disappointing, one and done, grabbing that first round by and not able to make anything of it. I actually, it was a pretty painful weekend, that divisional round there, that Saturday night, uh, for me personally. My two um, biggest potential payouts as far as futures this past season were the Tennessee Titans at 24 to 1 in the Green Bay Packers at 17 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I had both um, number one overall seeds in each conference uh, going into the playoffs at some pretty fantastic odds there. And then they both got eliminated on the same night that Saturday in January. It replays over and over in my head. And I can't wait to get back to another NFL season so I can hopefully start to put that stuff behind me. But as I mentioned, you know, first in the AFC overall. And then a loss in the divisional round, 19-16 to 16, to the Bengals. And if we can take a look at that for a quick second, I mean, people forget how close Joe Burrow and this, you know, Cinderella Bengals team was from getting eliminated, you know, in all three of those playoff games. Um, Ryan Tannehill had a chance to lead this team down the field. I think they had the ball. Um, about 30 yards away from a game-winning field goal there at the end of regulation. And Tannehill just, just absolutely muffing the opportunity. Three interceptions in that game at just really the, the worst timing possible. Um, did not look good at all consistently throughout that game, only putting up one offensive touchdown. Uh, the team had gotten Derrick Henry back from his midseason injury, but he clearly wasn't 100%, I think only totaling to... Uh, 60 some odd rushing yards in that game and uh, yeah it's disappointing to say the least uh, I talked about Tannehill's struggles in that game and it was a big headline earlier this offseason that Ryan Tannehill actually um, had to undergo a little bit of self uh, care and some mental health um, treatment you know he was really in a, a pretty bad place after that playoff loss um, and had to deal with, I think he went through some therapy and, and uh, again, tried to kind of uh, reshape his mental approach after really, that was the biggest game in his career in the NFL. That was by far the biggest game of Tannehill's career. He's a guy that obviously overcame a lot of adversity with a rough start in Miami. And then, you know, I've always kind of compared his uh, career trajectory to that of, of Alex Smith. Um, I kind of saw when he came over to Tennessee and in the preseason, he seemed to look pretty good. And actually the offense seemed to function a little bit more comfortably than it was with Marcus Mariota. And I kind of caught on to that early in the game um, where I've actually really backed this Titans team consistently. I was in on Tannehill for fantasy last year because of the upside for this offense. I mean, if we look back, they had uh, AJ Brown and they had brought in Julio Jones where the potential to take this already efficient offense with the best power run game in the NFL and an absolute literal tank in the backfield, and then you add two explosive receivers on the op opposite ends, 
Um, there was a lot of potential for this team last year. They had to overcome a ton of adversity. They actually set the NFL record for most players used on a roster in a single season, um, going over, I think, by the end of the season, 90 players through the active roster. And they still managed to scratch and claw their way to a 12-win season. Again, coming up short in that playoff appearance, Ryan Tannehill dealing with some issues this offseason. I mentioned the Alex Smith comparison um, because Alex Smith was a guy who, you know, took quite a few years to really establish himself and become a, a consistent guy in the NFL. And that is what I kind of saw from Tannehill. The skill sets aren't that different either with the mobility, you know, maybe not the strongest arm, relatively accurate, you know, making efficient play action throws. It's a lot of what we saw from Alex Smith in that, Shan uh, not Shanahan, but 49ers system at the end of his run there. And then even in, in Kansas City. And then what did we see with Alex Smith? Unfortunately, you know, every dog has his day. They draft a more athletic, stronger armed, you know, higher potential rookie to eventually take over a year later. And unfortunately for Tannehill, I think the writing is kind of on the wall here. This is most likely his last year in Tennessee. Um, and that's kind of the headline, I think, of this team. You know, they lose... A.J. Brown and Julio Jones this offseason, and we'll talk about the personnel later um, as we get into this, but it, it looks to me like with Ryan Tannehill's current contract situation, which we can talk about, and the fact that they go and uh, spend a third-round pick, not a first-round pick, they don't have to trade up into the first, like the Mahomes situation, but I think drafting Malik Willis here shows a lack of commitment to Tannehill long term. I mean, what else really, what other conclusion can you draw from that action? Um, and let's just dive into it right now. Ryan Tannehill's contract, I think, gives this team an opportunity to move on at the end of this season. Um, he, <laughs> he's coming off actually the first year of a f uh, four year, $118 million extension with the Titans which is really bad timing for such a collapse there in the playoffs and, and you know, such a rough offseason narrative-wise for Tannehill and with this team. Um, you know, shit kind of hit the fan. Uh, he currently, for this season, has a dead cap hit of $57.4 million. Holy fuck. Uh, because this Titans team didn't imagine a world where they'd be moving on from Tannehill or even considering it this year. Unfortunately, that's how fast things can shift in the NFL. Um, so they can't cut him this year. That's pretty obvious. They couldn't trade him. You know, that was just financially they were absolutely attached to Tannehill for this season. But they do have the ability to opt out in 2023 um, at uh, just an $18.8 million cap hit. Now, that's a substantial cap hit. Don't get me wrong. But in the grand scheme of NFL finances today and the market for these quarterbacks, realistically, um, you might just have to cut your losses there if it's something where you can get that contract off your books. They can void the last two years of his contract if they choose to take that 2023 out. So again, an $18.8 million cap hit, but you void yourself of three years on that contract and um, you get Malik Willis in there. So it's something that I could see happening. I'm not sure when the transition takes over. You know, if this team struggles, they may, you know, they could potentially make a move midseason. Like I said, if this team's out of playoff contention, they have a somewhat difficult schedule. We're getting way too far ahead of ourselves. But I just, it's the overall headline for this episode. 
we're going to have to watch because an impending transition at the QB position will be happening for this team. It's just a matter of how long can Tannehill really fight off Malik Willis. And I, I've been a Tannehill guy. Again, I mentioned the upside was there with Julio and AJ last year where I was uh, I was actually targeting him in quite a few fantasy drafts last year, but it did not work out. Numbers-wise, stats-wise, Julio couldn't stay healthy. A.J. Brown couldn't stay healthy. And really, this team, again, a lot of injuries last year having to scratch and claw their way to the playoffs. So let's get into the metrics. This team offensively last year, I mentioned an inconsistent supporting cast. Um, at one point, Nick Westbrook Akine was their number one receiver. And if you don't know that name, I don't blame you. Um, just a tough go here. Uh, 15th in points per game, 23.2. 17th in yards per game, 342.5. It's actually impressive they managed to put up those middle-of-the-pack numbers considering the amount of injuries I mentioned. Derrick Henry only played eight games for this team last year in the regular season. He was by far and away the most dominant offensive player in football and had a stranglehold on every rushing category. I think he had like a 400-yard lead on the uh, rushing title when he got injured. Um, but that's the identity of this offense, and they really had to piece it together. They went through a couple weeks of real struggles before they finally got some replacement backs in there that could kind of give them more run balance and more of that um, power run identity. Uh, Deontay Foreman was huge for this team down the stretch last year. I do want to mention him briefly. Um, he'll also be mentioned in free agency talk because they ended up not being able to re-sign him this offseason. I thought that was an underrated loss. So again, let's keep it moving. Defense last year was actually very good, and that I think was what really helped this team get to those 12 wins. I mentioned all the injuries and the struggles at the skill positions on offense, but this defense was tied for fifth in points per game, uh, giving up only 20.8 and 12th in yards per game. Uh, 329.8. Those are both very good. Um, turnover margin, they were tied for 20th at a negative three turnover margin. And again, you know, that goes to show you the offense struggling last year. Uh, Tannehill more turnover heavy last year than I would have liked personally, if we can take a look at it. 14 interceptions, it's not terrible. But uh, yeah, it's just not what you want to see in terms of he doesn't have the highest passing volume to begin with. You know, only 531 attempts last year, which is on the lower side in the grand scheme of uh, today's passing league. And to me, not that efficient last year. So um, the coaching staff is returning. Mike Vrabel is still there. Uh, a lot of continuity there. Not much. Uh, shake up, but um, the personnel, personnel wise on on paper, this looks like um, a very different team. A lot of key losses this offseason. Let's get into it. I mentioned uh, Julio Jones is not there. He recently signed with the Bucks. We still have to do our Bucks episode coming when we uh, wrap up with the NFC South. So we'll talk about that. And they traded away AJ Brown. It's been mentioned. We did our Eagles episode. The trade was in the middle of the draft in the first round. The Eagles gave up the 18th overall pick and a third pick, 101 overall for A.J. Brown. Um, if you look at the video coming out of the war room in the draft, Mike Vrabel, not happy. Visibly not happy about trading away A.J. Brown. Um, he had made <clears throat> public comments, I think, just a week or two prior to the draft that he would not trade A.J. Brown, and then it happens. Um 
Offensive guard Roger Saffold was another big loss for this team. He signed with the Bills. He's a very good run-blocking guard, so that's a big loss. Uh, they're two starting interior linebackers. They somehow let both of them walk this offseason. Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown are both gone. Two pretty good players, in my opinion, in the middle of that defense. That's a, a, a significant loss for a defense that was top five in scoring last year. Offensive guard David Quisenberry, uh, tight end Anthony Ferkser, uh, defensive tackle Kyle Pico, um, wide receiver Marcus Johnson, and quarterback Kevin Hogan were the other notable losses. And I mentioned Deontay Foreman. He's um, a guy that was a pretty highly touted draft prospect, but he had some lower body injuries. I believe an Achilles was the situation for Deontay Foreman early in his career. It's taken him quite a few years to bounce back. He actually was the closest thing they had to Derrick Henry in this offense last year once Henry went down. Uh, Foreman looked pretty damn good. Actually was a fantasy-relevant guy and a guy that I was cashing rushing props on for the last two, three weeks of the season um, because he was getting significant you know, workload. It was uh, Deontay Foreman and, and Dontrell Hilliard, I believe, in the backfield really taking up a bulk of that um, work and they were actually a pretty good tandem there. Uh, they're no Derrick Henry, but you do what you can do that late in the season. It was surprising to me because I mentioned his run style is the closest thing that they could get to Henry at the time. And I think it makes a lot of sense to keep a guy like that around if Henry were to suffer another injury this year, knock on wood. Um, Foreman kind of steps right in and uh, he's again, not Derrick Henry, but it's a similar play style. You can run the same type of rushing offense with that power run game and Foreman looked good last year. So, you know, again, I was surprised. Um, let's, uh, let's keep going here. Who else? Nobody else for the key losses. Let's talk key additions. Um, Robert Woods, they traded for Robert Woods to try and pick up the slack in that receiving room. I mentioned AJ Brown and Julio both gone. They also added in the draft to address that need. Uh, but Robert Woods, they get from the Titans for just a sixth round pick. He is coming off an injury. So, you know, that's maybe not the most, uh, great situation there, but you get a draft discount. I mean, sixth round pick is nothing for a vet receiver like that. So he's probably the number one pass catcher on this team, unless Traylon Burks, the rookie out of Arkansas, just comes and lights it up, which has yet to be seen in training camp from what I'm hearing. Um, tight end Austin Hooper they also brought in after he got paid in Cleveland and then did not do shit for two years. Um, but he's a you know somewhat relevant, like competent starting tight end. He's a good blocker, I believe, and he should probably fit this scheme. That's an addition that not many people are talking about this offseason, but Hooper could see a slight resurgence in relevancy. Offensive tackle Jamarco Jones they also bring in, along with safety A.J. Moore, defensive end Demarcus Walker, and running back Trenton Cannon. They re-signed a few guys, not many big names. A linebacker Dylan Cole, center Corey Levin. Um, they brought back Dontrell Hilliard, the running back. Uh, they also brought back Jordan Wilkins, another running back, cornerback uh, Greg Mabin, kicker Randy Bullock, and save this one for last. Holy shit. Linebacker Olasunkami. <laughs> That's horrible. Sorry, guys. I didn't prep for this one. Olasunkami <laughs> Adiniyi. I didn't even try on that one. Sorry, guys. This guy's name is outrageous. Let's move on. 
Um, let's talk draft. Who'd they draft this year? Well, I mentioned they had, you know, a lot of trade shit going on here. Um, they not only traded, not only did they trade with uh, Philly for that 18th pick with A.J. Brown, but they also did some other shit where Tennessee sent their uh, 26th overall pick to the Jets in exchange for the Jets' 35th, 69th, and 163rd pick in the draft. So Tennessee had two first-round picks because of the A.J. Brown pick, and they sent their second one to the Jets for a second, a third, and a fifth. So, again, two for, er, uh, with the first-round pick that they got from Philly, they drafted wide receiver Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. This is a guy that in the draft was, you know, if you look at the comparisons, really the comparison they were getting out there was A.J. Brown in terms of kind of a big physical guy that you can give some rushing attempts, some end-arounds, um, kind of a bigger Debo Samuel-type comparison, which is essentially what A.J. Brown is. Um, so it's interesting. Again, this is like the idea is that this guy turns into AJ Brown at a cheaper cost than, you know, keeping AJ and having to pay him 25 mil a year. Um, the deal was that Tennessee really just couldn't pay AJ Brown. I think they offered him like 20 or 22 or so. And Philly said, here, we'll give you a first round pick and you don't have to spend that cash. So I guess that's the direction Tennessee went. Um, with the whole kind of retooling of offensive weapons and the kind of um, concerns at quarterback, I, again, I, I like Tannehill, but the whole mental situation, it almost kind of reminds me here a little bit of what Carson Wentz went through when, when they drafted Jalen Hurts. It's a very comparable situation here, I believe. And I worry about Tannehill being able to hold on to this job. And if that's the case, I, I kind of have my concerns with this team as far as them being able to repeat in the division. Again, we're getting too far ahead of it, but Traylon Burks, they really need to turn into A.J. Brown right away if they're going to look like the same team. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of shoes to fill. I'm hearing reports out of training camp. He's got some struggles. Apparently, he's uh, dealing with conditioning. I believe he's uh, got a pretty severe case of asthma. So, like, training camp, conditioning and stuff has been an issue. Not getting a you know, full full workload as far as training camp reps, that's never great for a rookie coming in. You know, the development just, it might take longer, you know, than they really want or need that to take is, is all I'm saying. Uh, second round cornerback Roger McCreary out of Auburn. Uh, round three offensive tackle Nicholas Petit-Friere, I think. Um, round three quarterback Malik Willis. So... Uh, yeah, Malik Willis, I was a big fan of going into the draft. I had several bets that he'd be the first quarterback drafted. I had bets that he would be drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round. That was really my big fucking thing coming into this past draft. I figured the Steelers would potentially be looking to trade up into that kind of sweet spot that, um... 10, 11, 12, 13 range in that draft, I thought, to jump the Saints because there was a lot of rumors the Saints could look at a quarterback as well. Um, I had a bet that Willis would go to the Steelers and the Saints would take Pickett. That was kind of my angle coming into the draft. I was really surprised when Willis fell all the way to the third round. I think everybody was surprised by that. To me, he was my clear quarterback one in this draft. Pickett looked pretty good in the preseason, so did Willis. And to me, Pick or Willis has so much more athletic upside. He's got a stronger arm, 
And the things he can do with his legs, I think, just make him such a, a bigger overall threat and have a higher ceiling than what Pickett can do. Pickett's not a statue. You know, it's possible both these guys are good. And I, I don't want to – it's not a mutually exclusive thing. Like, one of them is going to end up being good and the other is just going to be a bust. But I'm still a little angry at Pittsburgh for, for taking Pickett over Willis. That just did not go the way I thought. It's an interesting situation here. I didn't love it at first when you look at the landing spot for Willis. But as I mentioned, you know, with Tannehill's whole, just a weird ending the last year, and it looks like they're not as committed to him long-term as maybe it appeared six months ago when the draft was taking place. I'm, uh, I'm kind of excited for Malik now at this point that I kind of see the path for him to become this team starter by next season. And I think he's a good player. He looked great in the preseason in, in his first uh, appearance here with Tennessee. I really paid attention to that game a lot while he was in there and just looked comfortable from the start. Um, you know, very smooth on his play action. Hit an absolute just dime of a deep ball. I don't remember who the receiver was, but Willis connected on like a 65-yard pass in that preseason game. I should have looked into his stats, but really it doesn't matter what the numbers are because I just want to talk about eyeball test. The guy immediately looked like he belonged. He was using his legs to extend plays. He was smart when he scrambled. Um, he showed, you know, he had a rushing touchdown where he just looked fantastic rolling out to his left, you know, to the, to his weak side, you know, that's his, that's the blind side. And so he had to turn, like reverse roll out to the left and then like he had to scramble for like 15 20 yards get a touchdown the guy looked legit so I don't want to ramble too much about him although that's kind of the name of the podcast here but Willis is a guy that I think is an NFL quarterback he went to University of Liberty um <clears throat> so there was some doubts about like small school low competition he did get offers from Virginia Tech and Auburn he went to Auburn for two years but just couldn't win over the starting job um but he's a, he's a talented guy. I, I like Willis a lot. Let's keep moving uh, throughout the draft. A couple more picks here. Round four, running back Hassan Haskins. He's the guy that a lot of people are expecting to maybe win that second job behind Derrick Henry. Round four, tight end Chigozima. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. Chigoziem Okonkwo. Chigoziem Okonkwo out of Maryland. And round five wide receiver Kyle Phillips out of UCLA to add to that, um, you know, vacated targets in the receiving room. So let's look at the schedule, 21st overall strength of schedule here. It doesn't look too easy to me. Um, they do benefit from having four games against the Jags and the Texans. But um, I see the Colts being better than the Titans this year. The sports books see it that way, too, as we look at the numbers. And so that, to me, is two difficult matchups. They also have to play tough teams like the Bills, Chiefs, Broncos, Bengals, Packers, Chargers, Cowboys, Eagles. So let's go through it in order. Week one, Giants. Then we got the Bills, Raiders, Colts, Commanders, Colts again after the bye week. Then we got the Texans, Chiefs, Broncos, Packers, Bengals. Listen to that stretch again. Chiefs, Broncos, Packers, Bengals, Eagles. That's a tough five games right there. Then they get the Jags. 
Then we got the Chargers, Texans, Cowboys, and Jags again to finish it. So the division's not that tough, although those games with the Colts will be a, a dogfight. But that middle of the season stretch of Chiefs, Broncos, Packers, Bengals, Eagles, I think it's possible if this team's looking cooked at that point of the season, maybe you give Malik Willis those last five games. You get three of them against the Jags and Texans. His first start would be home against the Jags December 11th. And then you go Chargers, Texans, Cowboys, Jags from there to end the season with the guy and, you know, get him some snaps going into next year. I'm not, I don't want this episode to just be me shitting on Tannehill and calling for his demise because he, to me, has played very well over the last two years or so for this Titans team. He clearly like did enough to earn a second contract with this team, but based on you know everything that's happened over the last eight months or so i kind of have to follow the tea leaves here and look at the signs and and you know i I, it's just how i see things playing out so the win total is nine and a half for this team and the under is favored um it was minus 140 about a month ago it's minus 135 so getting a little bit of love towards the over from the market right now but um, as it sits under nine and a half wins, minus 135, over plus 115. I'm not going to have a bet on this team. I would lean towards the under. I think nine and eight is not out of the realm of possibility for this team, especially if there's a quarterback transition, which, uh, you know, you can't project it, you can't guarantee it, but it's very possible. I don't I won't have an over. It's under nine and a half or nothing for me, but at the same time, I love Mike Vrabel. I view Mike Vrabel almost in the same light as a guy like Mike Tomlin, where just a football guy, gonna have his guys ready to go. I mentioned this team managed to win twelve games with having like ninety-five guys on the roster last year. A lot of that is coaching. I mean, Vrabel got coach of the year, and for good reason. I mean, he deserved it. He was my clear pick for coach of the year. And, you know, you get the first overall seed in the in the division with half your offense missing for half the year. Really, I have a tough time betting against these Titans. I've really, if you look back over the last two years since Tannehill's taken over, I guarantee this is the team that I've bet on the most in the entire NFL. I would be willing to, you know, put that up against anything. I'm very confident. I have bet this Titans team probably 20 times over the last two years. Uh, I find myself taking them against the spread constantly, and I've found them to be undervalued. You know, it seems like they're always an underdog whenever they play teams like the Bills or Chiefs. And they seem to be able to pull out those wins more often than not. Um, They're great as a dog over the last two years. Like, fantastic. Maybe the best in the NFL as a dog. I haven't looked it up. They went 10-7 and against the spread last year. And again, didn't have half their roster half the season. So I have troubles fading this team. I will not be betting against Mike Vrabel. But if you look at the odds I mentioned, I expect the Colts to be better. They're the favorite to win this division. The odds for the Titans to win this division are plus 170 currently. They were plus 160 a month ago, so they're getting gassed in you know not the right 
direction for a Titans fan here. And the Colts have gone over the last month from minus 115 to minus 125 to win the division. I'm just waiting for the Colts to make it out of the preseason healthy before I place that. But I will absolutely have a bet on the Colts to win this division. That is 100% a firm take that I have for this entire divisional preview series here. The Colts will win it. I won't back down from it unless realistically, you know, knock on wood, Matt Ryan or someone very significant to that team goes down. Uh, Shaquille Leonard uh, sounds weird to say because he'll be Darius Leonard forever to me. Um, he's dealing with injuries right now and could miss time at the beginning of the season, which is concerning. And again, that's why I haven't locked in my bets on this division yet. I'm still waiting to make it into the season healthy, but I would not recommend the Titans at plus 170 odds here because I see this being more of a transitional year and it looks to me like the Colts with the stability at the quarterback position now with as great a defense and a run game and an O-line as they have, Michael Pittman in his third year. I'm a big Colts fan this year. So, yeah, no, I'm not in on the Titans to win their division. They're plus 1,500 for the conference. And honestly, with how stacked the AFC is, and the question marks I've laid out here, the fact that their offensive weapons are worse, the fact that their defense is going to have to play very fucking well to avoid regressing from that top five scoring unit, and the fact that the Colts got better, it, there's a potential that this team misses the playoffs, to be honest. So I won't be taking any futures here. I think that it's going to be tough to get a wild card in the AFC. So you got kind of got to win this division. I'm not sure two teams make it out in this division. So... Um, yeah, you got under nine and a half wins, minus 135. They're 30 to one to win the Super Bowl. Actually, they're 35 to one to win the Super Bowl. They were 30 to one a month ago. So you can see those odds moving in the wrong direction as well. Uh, their odds um, about a month ago were to make the playoffs minus 110, yes and no, both ways. It's now minus 115 for no and minus 105 for yes. So again, all those odds shifting towards this team having a more negative outlook um, based on the perception by the sports books. And that is where my head is at as well. You can actually get this Titans team to finish second in their division at plus 145 odds, which I got to say, I will most likely have a piece of that going into the season. That's actually a better way to draft the Colt to bet the Colts to win this division, right? If you can, if your options are to take the Colts to win the division at minus 125 or take the Titans to come in second in the division at plus 145. That's really just, you know, making a bet that the Texans and the Jags will still stay at the bottom of this division. And based on all their projections and the rosters themselves and just the entire situation, sounds safe to me, right? So I'll be highly considering that one. That's about as much as I have to say about the futures and the breakdown. Let's talk fantasy. We gotta can you know we gotta go into this with the assumption that Ryan Tannehill is going to play the entire season. We just can't really project a switch at QB, despite how much pontification I want to do over here. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, you know, I won't be drafting him for fantasy because of some of the concerns I've laid out, and because he goes from AJ Brown and Julio Jones to Robert Woods and Traylon Burks. It's just not inspiring in terms of personnel. Also, this offensive line is ranked fifth worst in the entire NFL by uh, Warren Sharp at Sharp Football. And that's concerning considering the, the identity of this team is being able to move people 
in the run game. They lost Roger Saffold this offseason too, which I guess I failed to mention earlier, but he... I hope I brought that up. He's one of the better run-blocking offensive linemen, and he's in Buffalo now. I did I did mention that. Sorry, guys. It's early in the morning over here. Ryan Tannehill, 179th overall in fantasy drafts, uh, QB 24 overall. I won't have any shares. Um, he's going, or excuse me, last year he was going to 85 overall, QB 11. I did draft him last year. It didn't really work out. One thing I can say about Tannehill, he's got sneaky rushing upside. He averages like six or seven rushing touchdowns a year in this offense because Derrick Henry gets so much attention on the goal line that he's able to sneak in on some read options, some scrambles, some QB draws, some sneaks, you know. So he has been decent for fantasy, but last year, um, just pretty inconsistent. He actually finished QB 12 overall in fantasy last year, which is surprising to me, especially considering the weapons he was throwing to. Um, played a full season. He was 16th in points per game at the QB position. He's the 10th easiest schedule this year. Uh, I just, I'm not in love with the situation. And he doesn't provide you that elite week-winning upside. Sure, he can crack the top 12, but realistically let's look at the metrics finished top six only once last year 34th ranked amongst fantasy quarterbacks only finished top 12 29 percent of his games that was 23rd best so while yeah he finished top 12 that was just kind of a result of like other guys getting injured and it's just if if he's only finishing top 12 in less than 30 percent of his games it's not something i'm interested in plus the downgraded cast. He finished uh, between QB 13 and 24, 65% of his games, so that's why his averages work out to a top 12 finish. Not impressed, not interested. Let's move on. Running back Derrick Henry is obviously the identity of this football team. Played eight games last year, but in those games, absolutely wrecked shop. Dominated. Easily on his way to 2,000, um, looking to be the first player to go for 2,000 in back-to-back seasons, and he would have done it, guys. He could have, he, po- he possibly would have broken the single-season record last year and went and given us like 4,300 yards in t- two seasons. He's just a freak. He's got that alien DNA in him. He's probably the the funnest player to watch in the NFL when he's going. It's it's like when Prime Gronk was just like making people look foolish. Like, just looked like a man playing against children at the tight end position. And it was like, holy shit, we haven't seen a guy like this at tight end. For me, that's the feeling I get when I see Derrick Henry just destroying guys. And throwing them to the ground with the most ferocious stiff arms you have ever seen. The guy is an absolute freight train. It's unfortunate that he broke down last year with a foot injury there and... You know, it is concerning because he does get all that volume. He's got all that wear and tear. He's got a lot of mileage on those legs and injury. That's kind of been the argument like, oh, is this the year that he breaks down? And it's, it is concerning, I guess. It's tough. He's a little bit riskier this year than years past, but he did manage to get healthy again before the end of the season. I got to say, I'm not going to hesitate drafting Derrick Henry this season based on the fact that he was injured last year. I think it's easily it's worth it because he still has the potential to be the most dominant football player in the entire league and still be that running back one. He showed nothing but dominance last year before the injury. 
So he's being drafted third overall this year, right behind Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey on most consensus rankings. Some people are taking him ahead of Christian McCaffrey. I would. I would rather take Derrick Henry than Christian McCaffrey. Um, That's just my personal preference. I don't have much more to expand upon there. Uh, Derrick Henry is being drafted, excuse me, third overall this year, was going third overall last year as well. Finished the running back 22 last year despite only playing eight games. That's how dominant he was. Still finished in the top 24, only playing half a season. He was the by far and away RB1 in points per game, scoring uh, four fantasy points per game more than the uh, second finishing player in Jonathan Taylor. So remember how dominant Jonathan Taylor was last year? Uh, Derrick Henry was scoring four more points a game than Jonathan Taylor. He's also got the ninth easiest strength of schedule for running backs this year, so that's some upside. And I'm not sure guys like Hassan Haskins or, or Dontrell Hilliard are really going to be stealing touches from him. Let's look at consistency. Not many surprises here. Derrick Henry finished top 12, 75% of his starts last year. That is, what, six out of those eight games he finished top 12. That's the best consistency in the NFL. And then he had one game where he finished as an RB3 and one bust game. It's going to happen every now and then with Derrick where he can't really break through. You know, the offense is one-dimensional more this year than ever I think with the limited you know pass catching weapons that I've referenced eight times today and it's concerning that the offensive line is worse and there's potential for you know this this defenses may be able to just stack boxes against Henry I guess I'm having as we're doing this breakdown I'm having a little bit more of a concern because yeah again like you're gonna get those bus games sometimes where the defense just keys in and he can't break through like we've seen it happen before um he's gonna score a bunch of touchdowns he's gonna get all the goal line opportunities here and he's still an absolute tank so he's going to you know it's going to be rare that he gets shut down, but I do think this year more than ever it's concerning that defense is, you know, I'm not worried about Robert Woods and Traylon Burks really taking the top off my defense like I was with A.J. Brown. So I guess that would be the counterpoint to if you are concerned about Derrick Henry. Let's talk receivers real quick. I'm not overly interested really in any of these guys for fantasy. They're not that high on my radar. Maybe I'm overlooking them, but... Again, with Traylon Burks, you know, just the reports are not that positive out of camp. It's possible none of this matters, right? Like this time last year, um, Jamar Chase was getting shit on by beat reporters, and then he comes out and he's the best rookie receiver ever. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I guess I don't really have my mind made up here. None of these are like ironclad strong opinions, but let's just give you guys the numbers here and run through it. Robert Woods. Uh, coming off an injury, only playing nine games last year with the Rams, uh, being drafted 103rd overall, um, 44th receiver. Last year, he was being drafted as the 15th receiver, but that injury dip. And I mean, I think it is a pretty substantial downgrade in situation when you talk about being the wide receiver two in the Rams offense compared to the wide receiver one or you know one B potentially in a lower volume Titans offense with a downgrade at quarterback as well um it's concerning I think uh I don't know I don't have my mind made up about Robert Woods to be honest but he is going pretty late 
And he should be a, I think he'll be a target hog. Like PPR, he could be a sneaky value if Burks doesn't develop right away. Burks is actually being drafted ahead, 83rd overall at wide receiver, 36. And obviously there's no consistency metrics or rankings to go off of Burks. He's a rookie. You just kind of have to keep your ear to the ground in training camp to see what he's looking like day to day. But Robert Woods, I would expect to actually be the focal point of the passing game here and for that, I think I'm talking myself into a value in the 10th or 11th round, wide receiver 44 off the board for Robert Woods. Um, last year, he finished top 12, 22% of the time, which was 24th best in the league. Um, he finished as wide receiver two, another 22% of his games, which was 20th best. So that put him in the top 24 and 44% of his games. That was 19th best consistency finish as a top 24 receiver. So that's pretty interesting. Um, he was wide receiver three, another 22%. And then in a third of his games, that was three out of nine. He busted outside of the top 36. Again, it's a different team, different situation. It's hard really to carry over what those stats look like or, or mean or have any value to this, but he should be the number one pass catching option. I'm hearing that he's healthy. He's good to go in training camp. I think I'm I'm starting to be more comfortable with Robert Woods. Um, again, it's just this offense doesn't really get me that excited overall. It's tough with the again the question marks at receiver. It's tough. Um, Nick Westbrook Akine is the third receiver on the depth chart. I don't know how often they'll put three receivers on the field. He got a little bit of playing time last year. Not much to talk about, but. He's not really being drafted. He's a wide receiver 119 off the board this year. Wasn't being drafted last year. Finished 67th overall at wide receivers in fantasy in 15 games. Wide receiver 86 in points per game. He's also the guy that dropped that crucial interception late in the game um, in regulation there uh, right off his chest. Um, threw his hands off his chest into a defender's arms. So even though it wasn't all Tannehill's fault, he does get the blame for it. Um, but, you know, shout out Westbrook Akine, really, for fucking up that future for me. Um, I'm not touching him in fantasy. You guys probably shouldn't either. He never finished top 12 last year. Finished wide receiver two, like, twice, 54th best finish. And then uh, busted outside the top 36 in 75% of his games. I'm not excited. And then uh, Austin Hooper, another guy I probably won't touch in fantasy. Uh, unfortunately, you know, this is kind of a boring segment because I'm not really too excited about many of these guys. Uh, he's being drafted tight end 24 this year, 185 overall. Same deal as last year, tight end 24. Now, he'll probably beat that. He'll get enough touchdowns, I think. Like, he'll sneak into the end zone. He'll, he'll beat top 24. I just don't know if he'll be relevant for fantasy. Uh, last year he played 15 games, finished wide receiver, excuse me, tight end 24 last year. So 24 is across the board. Does have the second easiest strength of schedule for tight end. And with the vacated targets at receiver, maybe we see this offense a little bit more dependent on that tight end position. Maybe we see a little bit more of a bootleg action like I talked about with the uh, Noah Fant upside in Seattle. Maybe that's the case. Austin Hooper, if he looks... If he looks uh, involved over the first week or two of the season, pay attention and maybe snag him, but I wouldn't draft him in fantasy. Again, easy schedule for tight ends, so maybe, maybe. Um, but he only finished top six once last year, only cracked the top 12 twice, and outside of that, busted outside the top 24, 56% of his games. Uh, kind of gross. So that's the Titans. I mean, a lot of question marks on the offense. I didn't really dive too deep into the defensive personnel at all on this episode. I guess we can touch on it briefly. 
Um, Jeffrey Simmons is a dog on that D line. Harold Landry is a good pass rusher outside. Um, you know, the linebacking core, uh, some replacements there. David Long and Zach Cunningham are going to have to pick up the slack that Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown have left behind. Uh, Bud Dupree, pass rusher, um, good season last year. I think he recently got in trouble for uh, harassing a Walmart employee or something like that, Walgreens. I don't know. You guys should look into that, what's going on with Bud Dupree there. And then the secondary, I don't love the corner talent. Christian Fulton and Caleb Farley are two young guys that have shown flashes uh, but inconsistency in their career. Kevin Byard's a very good safety holding down that defense. Um, But, again, they lost a couple of pretty big pieces to me in that linebacking core where – I'm not I'm not sure they finished top five in points per game again. I think that was kind of an overachievement for this team last year. And, um, you know, outside of Simmons, Landry, and Bayard, there's not many big names here. Dupree's a good player. But I don't know. I'm just not that optimistic. I think this team could have a bit of a regression year. Maybe 9-8 and eight feels like a safe prediction. But I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to do the Colts next, and I'll tell you why they will be the team to win this division. Thank you guys for listening, and ramble on.